Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. Welcome into another episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. This is your host for the evening, Matthew Betts, joined as always by my West Coast friend, Matt Okada. And Okada, we were chatting a little bit here before we started recording this podcast. You've been busy the last couple of days. I've been trying to get a hold of you, adjusting our projections and rankings, and all you do is turn me down because you just made a big <laughs> move, didn't you? I did. I technically... You all may think that I live in Los Angeles because when you say you live in Southern California, everyone assumes that. But I actually have lived in Orange County, which is totally different, kind of, for a long time. And I am now, as of yesterday, living in Los Angeles. So I, you would not believe the setup of computers and the things that I have going on right now to make this podcast work. It is not my normal setup because the internet didn't exist and all these things. But we are here. I am here. And... uh it's very LA-ish in LA. <laughs> very LA, LA-ish. And I understand you just made the big move to go full-time at the NFL Network. Is that right, my friend? I did, yeah. So I was doing this different sort of, they call it a freelance thing last year where I work. I worked basically for the whole year, but it, you have like an hour's limit. And now for this season, I'm going full-time. So I will be there every day, usually more than eight hours a day. Things will be crazy. Might end up going to the draft or the Super Bowl or things like that. We will see. But it's going to be fun. Well, if you need a plus one, uh, you know who to ask. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, man, I'm, I'm super happy for you. That's awesome. It's super exciting. I mean, uh, I think it's going to provide a lot of value to our listeners because you get to sit in on a bunch of meetings with big names and you know hear behind-the-scenes information that the rest of us unfortunately don't so i'm excited to get a little bit of a sneak preview of what's going on there at the network and also give our listeners more valuable insight as far as the information for sure we'll do all right man well hey enough about us we have got an awesome guest on the show tonight it's been a little bit of a a break in terms of our guests you know we've had ken on we're doing our projections we're doing our division by division breakdown so he's he's kind of a guest he's not really a guest because he was the former host of this show um but we have one of my favorites in the industry, Mr. Elliot Christ, on with us tonight. Elliot, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Uh, I, I assume most of our listeners do know who you are and do know what you do as far as your work. But um, go ahead and just kind of plug right now for us like what you've got going on over at the Quantage and um, how you kind of got your start in fantasy you know, in the industry and all that good stuff. So the floor is yours, my friend. Absolutely. So, yeah, check out thequantedge.com. This year, we're going to have four new tools, a pace tool, game script tool, dynamic rankings, weekly matchups. We have optimizers. We have uh, wide receiver cornerback matchups, an injury tool, heat maps. We kind of try to visualize all the analytics for you and simplify everything. We're going to have 25 pieces of content per week on NFL slates, breaking down anything from tournament plays to cash plays to the best weekly wide receiver cornerback matchups and how to adjust injuries premium membership chat so we're really pumped about everything we just launched our new website we have our ios app coming out this football season and you can check all that out at thequantedge.com use promo code power hour save ten dollars off your first month or 25 dollars for the season you can also try it out free because we got preseason dfs coverage going on we got a lot of green screens going on the first week and you know my my journey into fantasy 
I mean, obviously, I started playing fantasy when I was about 14, so it's 15 years now, which is crazy to think I'm I'm getting old. But you know, it's a situation where um, got a job out of college in finance, didn't like it, left to travel. Um, I ended up getting a part-time gig with PFF, and when I, I left my job, I had a big savings account, so I was willing to kind of really grind my way up from the bottom, um, created a Twitter account, just started talking about my opinions online and doing a lot of work for PFF, I ended up doing scouting reports for teams um, in college and NFL, I did game tracking, I did a bunch of different things for PFF, kind of made impressions on people, was able to get opportunities with places like NDT Scouting, Bleacher Report. Uh, four for four and just kind of you know worked my way up interacted with people uh, wrote for fantasy kind of showed that my process was yielding positive results for people so um, I I was really proud of of what I was able to accomplish and you know I got an opportunity at the Quant Edge last year to do this full-time and you know been been just doing it ever since going you know balls to the wall for lack of a better phrase and and loving every minute of it that's awesome man that's you know, a true, I think, description of what it takes to really make it in this industry is, like you said, you just have to grind and um, definitely respect that from you because I've been following your work for a little while now. And I got to ask, is the daily, uh, the draft daily pod ever coming back? Because that was one of my favorites uh, last season. Yeah, I, pre- I really appreciate you saying that. I, uh, you know, 90 podcasts in 90 days was was quite the undertaking, but <laughs> But I love doing it, and honestly, the best part was I got to host and really ask other people questions and and pick different people's minds because I think one of the things that happens is we we look at prospects from the eyes of one to two people, and when you can do it through the eyes of 90 people, it's a really unique perspective. My goal is to bring it back this year. I think we'll be in a place in the company where I will be able to do that. And quite frankly, if I had to pick a class to take off, 2019 is not the worst, but 2020 with all the talent that's coming, and I feel like it's just a requirement. It's got to happen. Yeah. So I, I do have to ask a quick question, Elliot. Um, when it comes to the endless tape versus analytics debate, do you fall on a side or do you kind of marry the two? How do you feel about that? Yeah, my, my answer is yes. I really right. I don't I don't understand how the answer is not just yes. You need both of them. Good answer. I don't understand why we have to do this every every draft season. We start it up again. Uh, you know, Calvin Ridley can't be good. He his target his market share is not good. You know, well, like if you watch Calvin Ridley, and the other thing we do is we double count things so often with the combine. You know, like John Ross runs a four two one or four one nine, whatever it was, and people are like, oh man, I'm shooting up the draft board. He's so fast. And I was like, if you've ever watched John Ross play, you already know he's fast. And then people were double counting things. I mean, you have to be able to apply context to stats, but you can't ignore analytics. You can't ignore trends. You can't ignore like player profiles. I don't. I really just. I don't even understand the argument for not wanting to do both. And it's completely okay if you said I'm. I'm much better at evaluating players through film, or I'm much better valuing them through numbers, and that's my main lens. But then try to improve the other lens because you know you're basically sc- scouting or doing anything with one eye. When you have both eyes open, it's easier to see things. Agreed. Yeah, I think that's a great way of, of putting it there for sure. I know Akata and I both agree with you on that. And um, I just want to put this out there, Elliot. If you do start it back up and you need two people to come on, you've got Okada <laughs> and myself that would definitely do it. So hopefully we can get that back up and running. I'm excited to follow you guys 
uh, this season over at the Quantage. You guys are doing great work, so keep it up for sure. Um, we're going to go ahead and get into our content here tonight. We've got a great show planned for you all. Um, obviously, we have a great guest. We're talking news. We're always talking injuries with what I do. And we're talking about players at their current ADP that you need to avoid. They're going to likely not return value. And you know, for whatever reason, we're going to give our, our discussion here as to why you should avoid them. And then at the end, we're going to do a live best ball draft because... Um, we can't get enough drafting between Okada and I, and I know Elliot's <laughs> always on the draft app for sure. So we're going to do that tonight. Uh, jam pack show. Just want to let you all know, follow us on social media. Um, we are everywhere at red shirts, FF pod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. We are on it. Uh, without further ado, Okada, let's get into the news. I got great news guys. All right, fellas. So. We have to talk about this in detail because it's it's what is happening in the NFL. Antonio Brown. I don't even know where to start. Oh boy! <laughs> last time we recorded um, was last week. There's been a lot of news that has come out since then. Um, frostbite on the feet, potential infection on the feet. Now there's a helmet issue. I mean, Okada, I'm going to kick it over to you because um, you know being at the NFL Network, I'm sure you guys all have this dialed in what are you hearing over there about Antonio Brown oh boy there's a lot uh for sure like you mentioned and there are a few differing opinions but the one that I've heard that's the most interesting and I'm hearing it from players or, or previous players is uh kind of a a sneaky suspicion that AB's foot feet situation is worse than maybe we've been led to believe that it's something where and if frostbite is severe enough it is something where you end up losing a lot of feeling in those feet, and I think he may have some fear that he will not be the same route runner that he was. And the the concept that's floating around is that this whole helmet situation is kind of just something that he's elevating to the degree of insanity and seriousness that he is to create an out or an excuse for himself that's not, I stepped into a cryotherapy machine without the right feet on, or foot protection on, <laughs> and now I have Different to retire feet. because of it. Yeah, it's it's a mess. I mean, the most recent thing that came out, um, obviously, was that he was threatening to retire from football if he wasn't allowed to wear his previously approved helmet that he's worn for his career. Um, obviously, you know, we've heard Tom Brady's gone through the same change, and a new uh, sort of development has come out now ab on twitter today saying while i disagree this is in quotes while i disagree with the arbitrator's decision i'm working on getting back to full health and looking forward to rejoining my teammates on the field i'm excited about this season i appreciate all the concerns about my feet end quote <laughs> so in three days he's gone from not playing this season to okay i disagree but i'm back out there i mean there's just so many red flags with the situation he's missing valuable time with Derek Carr in a new offense on a an offense that's projected to be obviously worse than the Steelers. I live updated my rankings as we were discussing this right now, down from nine to twelve. So he's still a wide receiver one for me. Elliot, what are your thoughts here on Antonio Brown this season? I mean, honestly, through the saga, the thing I've really wanted to see is what Antonio Brown's custom painted helmet looked like. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because yeah, we would all love to see that. Because I Where feel like pictures? he didn't go to the like some paint shop and actually get it done because he probably could have gotten away with it. Um, if he right. really did it himself, I would I would be desperate to see what that looked like. Um, the stuff with his feet is so hard to tell. You know, um, 
the Twitter doctor. Uh, why am I blanking on what his name is? But I think everyone Pro knows football who I'm doc, David Chow. David Chow. Thank you. Um, he came out a couple days ago and after looking at his feet and thought that he was going to be fine. You know, if his feet are messed up, Antonio Brown's feet are his game. But I do ultimately think that he'll get back. You know, he's going to struggle with chemistry with Carr, but I think he'll still be peppered with targets. And Roethlisberger missed him a lot last year in terms of off-target percentage. I, I'm i good with buying him at wide receiver 12. I think that's the right price tag because, you know, that, that he's been wide receiver one like every year, and he wasn't last year. But it's just a situation where you know the talent, you know the volume is going to be there. There is going to be a step back, but at, at wide receiver 12 overall, I think the the risk is baked into the cost. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great way of saying that. And just real quick to speak to it, you know, on my end as a, as a physical therapist, um, skin is one of the fastest healing tissues in the body. So uh, it's actually not uncommon that he could be ready for uh, week one. It's still, you know, for me, I think my concern is just the relationship with Derek Carr. I mean, that, that certainly is a question mark, but we'll have to see what unfolds here. I'm sure Hard Knocks will show us some interesting information uh, in the next few weeks. But let's go ahead and move on to another wide receiver that is also a bit of a question mark apparently this season. Uh, that's Dante Pettis, wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, here's the deal, man. Kyle Shanahan is saying that Dante Pettis, air quotes, must compete for his starting job. And I don't know... I don't know how much I believe that, but when you look at the first week of the preseason, he played 17 snaps and no other starters really did. So uh, it is a bit of a yellow flag, I'll say. Um, Okada, what are your thoughts here on Dante Pettis? Because I know that we you know, have talked about him a little bit and said we're excited about him this season. So does this change at all for you? Yeah, I really have been excited about him. And because I, my excitement was so high... Um, in fact, I think I have him in the in the low wide receiver two range of my rankings, at least before this news. Because he was so high for me, this news does probably knock him down a little bit. If he had just been more around consensus for me, I probably would have let him sit there uh, and, and figure out more what's going on. But now I have to be a little bit more concerned than my very high expectation for him. And kind of what I've heard is that he's sort of like not winning 50-50 balls in camp practices, um, and so he's just not showing himself out as a dominant, as the dominant one on the team. I don't know how concerned I am with that. I feel like Pettis is more of a separator and a, a you know, down the field deep ball guy when he needs to be. Um, so I don't know if the 50-50 balls in particular are concerning to me, but it, there may be a lot more going on uh, throughout camp that, that is causing Shannon disconcern. And if that's true, and as we see the preseason progress, I definitely am going to want to monitor Pettis and he may drop even further. Yeah, for sure. Elliot, I'll kick it over to you. Um, if this is the case for Pettis and if he is truly struggling and he's really not that team's one, is there another wide receiver that you are hoping takes a step forward or is this George Kittle's, you know, season where he just does exactly what he did last year? Yeah, I think George Kittle is the wide receiver one on this team. I think this is kind of, you know, I was never as high as Pettis, on Pettis as, as a lot of people, a lot of really smart people were. Um, basically, I, I thought I missed the buying window once he started shooting up on draft and I'd see him go in the seventh round. Um, I, the wide receivers for the 49ers are a bit of a mess after Pettis, you know, whether it's Hurd or, or Goodwin or Samuel or whoever. I mean, Trent Taylor's now out. Um, 
they like Kendrick Bourne a lot. It's a situation for me where I just think it's going to be inconsistent week to week. I don't think this team's necessarily, you know, I know how we talked about Shanahan with wide receiver ones. A lot of people like to bring that stuff up, but I think ultimately Kittle's the number one team, uh, number one receiver on this team, and they're going to mix and match weeks. And it's not a situation that I'm particularly excited to be to want exposure to. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think that the draft price for uh, George Kittle is going to probably increase with this news. It's a situation that, like you said, Elliot, is fluid. If his price continues to climb, I love George Kittle, but I don't know about you guys. I might be out if he does continue to creep up with this news because I agree with you. I think he's the wide receiver one on this team. That's George Kittle. Even before the, the Dante Pettis you know, news. Um, and that certainly could elevate his price to the point where he might be undraftable for me personally. Uh, let's go ahead and kick it over to some injury news here, Okada. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case loving you. All right. So I'll hit you quick on these bets. Let's bounce through and see what we've got going on, which of course is more than we would like, especially as preseason goes along. So Jarek McKinnon, he had another setback over the past week. It looks like he could potentially start the season on injured reserve. Is that your expectation, do you think? I don't know that it necessarily is, but even if it's not, to be honest with you, it doesn't matter, and I'll explain what I mean. Um, I absolutely just buried Jarek McKinnon in my rankings because, to me, he's undraftable. Whether he's on injured reserve, which obviously puts him out for a big chunk of time or not, the reality here is that his ACL recovery didn't go the way it was supposed to. Had the flare-up, now has the PRP injection, which is platelet-rich plasma. Essentially, it tries to help uh, accelerate healing. There's conflicting results as to whether or not it works, but some people have good results. Um, but that puts him out at least two to three weeks. Now you're looking at maybe being ready for week one in a backfield where there was already question marks as to who was going to get the work. And this tells me that if they're contemplating putting him on IR, they're not going to be counting on him for at least the first six weeks of the season. He maybe gets sprinkled in on a few uh, package plays, but for what we were hoping he would be, he isn't going to be that in 2019. Elliot, quickly before we move on from McKinnon and therefore this situation, with Coleman and Brita now probably ending up where they end up cost-wise, which one are you more interested in? I, originally, my answer was Brita, but if Coleman hangs around that fifth, sixth uh, ADP, I assume it's going to go up. I'm going to take some shots on him now that that backfield's starting to clear up. For sure. All right. And, Andrew Luck. Good gracious. We we thought we were done with the Andrew Luck injury fear last year when he finally came back with his shoulder. Now he's got a whole other thing going on with this calf. Bets, what should we be looking for or expecting with Luck? What should we expect is, is the answer, or is the question, I should say, that I'll answer. And that's that he's not going to play uh, in the second week of the preseason. He's sitting out another week with the calf. And he spoke to reporters and basically kind of came out saying, you know, I'm – I'm more understanding of the recovery process because of what happened to my shoulder. So the team is being conservative. He's being conservative. They've really given him the reins as to his recovery and how quickly he gets back on the field. Um, the reality is, you know, with calf strains, they are definitely um, a high risk of recurrence, mostly, though, in skill position players because of the fact that he has to be able to, you know, push off and uh, accelerate quickly. Obviously, Andrew Luck is a mobile quarterback. So my fear is that if he does tend to take off out of the pocket, he could re-injure it. But if he's smart for the rest of the preseason and the early part of the season where he develops into just being a pocket-passing quarterback, um, he should be okay 
Uh, long term, I'm not really concerned about this. The team has been vocal about that, and I definitely uh, buy into that situation. For sure. Now, his one of his wide receivers, and certainly not his number one, but a guy drafted this year that we a lot of people certainly have had interest in is Paris Campbell. He's also missing time with a hamstring injury. Those darn hamstrings. We kind of know how this goes. A hamstrings suck. We can expect them to be an issue moving on or moving throughout the season, potentially. Betts, give me your expected full health threshold time. Like, is it week one? Is it week three? Is it before the season starts? Where do you expect him to be good to go? Well, they tried to get him back out there on the field, and then Sunday, he actually, uh, re- recording this on a Monday, uh, on Sunday, he unfortunately suffered a setback or had a flare-up and basically a recurring issue there with the hamstring. So whenever that happens, you know, let's just point to an example last year, Leonard Fournette, whenever that happens, the recovery timeline is longer. So let's say this would have put him out two weeks. Now it might be four. So um, he could legitimately not be ready for week one. Uh, I still expect him to be able to contribute at some point this season for the team. This is not going to linger for the majority of the year, but the team should be cautious with cautious with him because if they aren't, um, he really could miss extended period of time in the early part of the season. Elliot, if Paris Campbell misses, if and when he misses any time with this injury, does somebody jump up for you on the Colts offense or does it kind of just stay how it is? Um, I mean, I think it helps Funchess a little bit. I really like Paris Campbell in this offense, the way they can use him on underneath routes and kind of at the mesh point and get him open in space. And I, I think he could be a really dynamic player. Might, But I don't necessarily think he's going to have that much volume in the offense that he's really shifting anything in a major way. Okay. Yeah, I could definitely see that panning out. Uh, this one sucks, for me at least. Kiki QT has an ankle injury. My understanding is that it's not as serious as it seemed to be initially. Betts, do you expect that we that he'll be healthy? Is this something that could be a concern for the rest of the season? No, I don't think so. Like you said, he definitely dodged a bullet. Kind of a scary play where his right leg got tangled up underneath the defender on a tackle. Uh, my concern was MCL injury of the knee or potentially a meniscus injury, which could have been uh, a much bigger deal. A little bit of a variety of a high ankle sprain uh, here for QT. So I would expect him to miss the majority of the preseason, if not all of it. But as of right now, I think we should treat it as a minor injury. He should be ready for week one. All right. He and obviously Will Fuller both have had a lot of injury issues in their history. So that'll be something to watch, especially for Deshaun Watson. Um, Theo Riddick, right after he got to the Broncos and made us all go crazy for whoever he was affecting, fractured his shoulder or has a fracture in his shoulder. I believe the timeline was six to eight weeks. Is that about right, Bets, for you? Yeah, that's about right. Um, that's kind of the recovery that's expected for most fractures. This one that he's dealing with is similar, so um, he will definitely miss time in the regular season for sure. Obviously, this gets us right back to where we were three weeks ago, where it's you know the two running backs, Philip Lindsay and uh, Royce Freeman, there to split the work for the early part of the season. All right, then the last one we'll hit really quick: Nikhil Harry, who had a strong Week One preseason showing, then left at least briefly, with a hamstring injury. Apparently, he also have, has turf toe injury concerns going on. Turf toe is never a word we or two words that we like to hear, especially with receivers. So is this something you think will affect him into the season? It's hard to say at this point. I mean, we definitely have to watch his practice reports over the next two to three weeks because, as I've said on the pod multiple times with A.J. Green, you know, wide receivers especially need their big toe to be able to fully extend all the way so at the line of scrimmage and with each 
you know, stride when they're sprinting to be able to push off on their toe. Um, that's the exact motion that stresses the joint that is injured in this turf toe injury. So he needs to be able to do that, obviously, thousands of times a season. Um, if they don't get it right the first time around, it could definitely linger for the rest of the year. All right. Well, Nikhil Harry was kind enough to prepare a very nice transition into our next segment with these injuries. So let's check out some players that we are looking to avoid at their current ADPs. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. And the reason that Nikhil Harry provides a transition is that Mr. Elliot Christ has selected him as one of his options. So Elliot, is it all about the injury? Is it more about him being a rookie? What are your big concerns with Nikhil Harry, where he's going? Yeah, I just I think he's such a risk at his cost, and he's dropped down some. He was, you know, going in the eighth round on draft forever, but you know, for me, one is the injury. You know that he's already been banged up a couple times. Two, all the reports all offseason in camp is that he's struggling to have chemistry with Brady, and he's struggling with drops and other issues as well. Uh, rookie receivers tend to take a longer time to develop. You know, people historically the Patriots offense doesn't really support outside receivers. The kind of player he is is not necessarily the kind of player that's really thrived for the Patriots. Doesn't mean he can't. I actually think he would be great as a big slot, but Julian Edelman's going to hold that role. I still think he's, you know, Josh Gordon could potentially come back. Julian Edelman, James White are going to take up a majority of that offense. And I just think that there is so much risk built around him, and people are ignoring it because he was a dynasty darling. And, you know, his college profile makes him a dynasty darling. Don't disagree at all. But I think sometimes that really translates into people getting too excited and redraft. And I think, you know, even now with his the, – the risk is just not worth the reward at, at taking him at that cost. Yeah, I, I think I pretty much have to agree. I am one of the guys who really like Nikhil Harry coming out of college and don't hate his landing spot for dynasty. But first-year rookie wide receiver, the trend is not great. It typically, I mean, unless you're talking about an Odell Beckham Jr. type situation, these are not guys that, like running backs, are going to shoot out of the gate super productive. And in a system like this, uh, the Patriots system, kind of to your point, Elliot, I can see it being a situation that will not be consistent for Harry at all. Uh, Betts, let's throw it over to you and your first player to avoid. Yeah, my first guy to avoid here I, I think is obvious, and that's Eric Ebron, who is currently going off the board in the seventh round and is the seventh tight end off the board. It just it won't happen this year for Eric Ebron the way it did last year. I mean, you look at the stats, it was absurd. 13 receiving touchdowns, and let's not forget he ran a touchdown in. Like That's not going to happen <laughs> this year. Um, he was great, but here's the issue. From 2014 to 2017, during his career up to last season, he scored a total of 11 touchdowns. So when you talk about, you know, here's your statistical kind of regression to the mean, uh, it's it's classic situation where that has to happen for Eric Ebron. And the big issue there is, you know, all the weapons that are now on this offense. We talked about Paris Campbell. They obviously brought in Devin Funchess, who is a decent uh, red zone target. T.Y. Hilton is still there. Uh, Naheem Hines takes targets out of the backfield. And let's not forget, now Jack Doyle is back on the roster. Um, last season, only played in six, uh, six games, excuse me, missing time with uh, a hip injury and the kidney injury. Um, and when those two were on the field, they essentially canceled each other out because when they were on the field and, and Doyle didn't get hurt, Ebron scored more points than, than Doyle just three times. 
and then Doyle score more points, fantasy points, that is, uh, than Ebron two times. So it, there's just too many pieces to the puzzle. And if you're drafting Eric Ebron to do 90% of what he did last year, even factoring a little bit of regression, uh, I think drafters are going to be very disappointed in Eric Ebron this year. Elliot, you have a very large number of draft uh, best balls. How much exposure do you have to Ebron and or Doyle? Uh, I have a fair amount of Doyle just because he's so cheap. And, you know, in the, those six games that he played, he was out-snapping Eric Ebron. And so as a 13th, 14th round tight end, I think he's, he's a nice floor. Uh, <laughs> how much Eric Ebron I have? I think I told you guys I had 170 teams. I have zero Eric Ebron teams. <laughs> you know, when, when you guys ask me who's going to be my number one avoid guy, uh, the, <laughs> all the guys that you guys wrote down were on my list, and so I went to the next, the next set because Eric Ebron is a guy <laughs> that I won't draft under any circumstances. All right. Uh, no arguments from me or Elliot there. So I'll bring up one of my guys, and I've brought him up before, but I'll hit him again because the ADP is, at least from what I'm seeing on Fantasy Football Calculator, is just almost all the way up. He's all the way up. It's it's Le'Veon Bell. He has climbed his way to the 107 in half PPR ADP. Uh, that's the RB6 right after the Elite Four and David Johnson. And at least on FFC, the only receiver who's going ahead of him is DeAndre Hopkins. He is nowhere near that in my rankings. Uh, I think I have him outside the top 12 at running back still. Um, and certainly outside the first round. We've talked about the offense. We've talked about Adam Gase and the play count and the uh, number of touches that Bell will get. Everything for Bell is going to trend downwards from where he was at with the Steelers the last time we saw him in 2017. He's going to get less touches as a percentage of the offense just because Gase is Gase and Mike Tomlin is Mike Tomlin and they're almost opposites in that respect. He's going to get less overall touches because this offense itself is going to run far less plays so that's a lower percentage of a lower total number of plays and on all those touches he's going to be less efficient because this offense is not going to be as good this offensive line certainly is not going to be as good especially in my opinion for Bell's running style and listen the offense in a way looks pretty good on their one first team preseason drive but it was mostly Sam Darnold's Dinkin and Duncan and dominating his way down the field really looked really good, actually. A lot of Jamison Crowder, which could mean targets are taken away from Bell. Uh, a little bit of Quincy Nudua, and it, it looked it it really looked uh, it looked decent, but it's not going to fit what we've seen from Bell in Pittsburgh. So I am nowhere near this draft price for him. Any objection from you, Elliot? Uh, no, this is the other guy I was going to write up as my my avoid. Uh, he's being drafted on name value, not situation. And we know at the end of the day, the situation of running backs in is, you know, almost the most important thing. He's not going to get those 30 touches a game. He's not going to be getting those 10 targets a game. Uh, the Historically, Adam Gase runs a very slow offense. How's his patient running style going to go behind a much lesser offensive line? The Jets are nowhere as close to as good as Pittsburgh was in terms of positive game script situations for him. Do I think uh, late second I'd take him? Absolutely. Uh, and all my exposure has been in leagues with guys like me and you where no one wants to take Bell. So I was like, cool, I'll just grab my late second round exposure. But, um, yeah, sh- could not agree more on Le'Veon Bell and Eric Ebron. Uh, Betts, you have him at RB15, so I'm going to go ahead and assume you don't disagree either. 
Uh, no, and if any of our listeners have listened to prior episodes, they'll know that I do not disagree with you or Elliot whatsoever. Um, I, I really can't add much more to the situation because you guys hit all the talking points that I have here with Bell, and uh, I agree with you. The efficiency's got to come down. Offense is going to be worse. So, yeah, for me, uh, it's an avoid. Like Elliot said, you know, I don't like to take players off my draft board, but you just have to understand Le'Veon Bell will not fall to a point that I'm comfortable drafting him for you know, for the season. So for all intents and purposes, I'm with you guys. He's off my board. All right. So unfortunately, we now have hit a point where there is some disagreement because Elliot's next guy is a guy that I like quite a bit. So I'm interested to hear your arguments, Elliot, for avoiding James Conner. Um, so this is a twofold answer. Okay. Number number one, I believe that Jen Samuels is going to have a big role, especially in the passing game. Um, you know, <laughs> What's James Conner? What's James Conner's role going to be on this team? It depends on what day you ask him, right? It goes from three running backs to just him. Mm-hmm. But I do think ultimately James uh, Jalen Samuels will have a major role in this team. But basically, I just value the other guys that are going in that range over him. You know, give me Devonte Adams, give me Travis Kelsey, give me Odell Beckham, give me Julio Jones over him. And that that comes down to that decision when I pick in the back end of the first round. That if he's there on the comeback in the second round, I'll take exposure to him. But at that in that late first round price tag, it's just not something that I'm interested in with the guys that are going around him. So is it kind of fair to say that he falls into a second tier or maybe even a third tier for you of running backs where you find that that tier break at running back is a great point to grab with receivers in Kelsey? That's a perfect way to describe it. You know, the, and the, that yeah. tier one continues to get smaller with Melvin Gordon holding out and Ezekiel Elliott holding out. Um, so I, I really just prefer those tier one wide receivers over the tier two running backs. Yeah, I don't mind that too much. I think that's, I think that's a fair strategic way of looking at it. So I do like Connor in this offense for sure, but but that's a good way of looking at the strategy as far as positionally. Uh, Bets, your second guy. Oh boy, anybody in the fantasy community? who has been around in this offseason is not going to be shocked by this. But anybody who is more of a casual listener or a casual fantasy player is going to have their head blown off by Patrick (laughs) Mahomes. You are avoiding Patrick Mahomes. Tell the more casual listeners why. Yes, I think you you put that well because um, the casual fans will say, what do you mean, Betts? You idiot. He's, he was the number one quarterback last year, was fantastic, was the MVP, was amazing. And I will not argue with you at all. But if you're you know into fantasy for a long time, you've been playing for a while, you really dig up stats and all that kind of stuff um, for the game, you'll understand why I'm about to say what I'm going to say. So don't hear what I'm not saying because I do think Patrick Mahomes is fantastic this season. I have him ranked as my quarterback one. The offense is amazing. The weapons are amazing. But here's the issue. Late round quarterbacks win in fantasy. I looked back at the trends kind of at, you know, the last few years as, um, you know, the, the offensive trends here when you look at what the Kansas City offense did last season. They scored a touchdown on 40% of their drives last year, which is absurd. The league average was 23%. When you look wow. at the leading offenses in the NFL, all the way back to 2013, 29%, 35%, 30%, 31 37 Do I need to keep going? Probably not. <laughs> what they did last year was historic. What Patrick Mahomes did was historic. I mean, 50 touchdowns uh, was crazy. He put up the best 
season ever in fantasy by a quarterback. And the reality is, could it happen again? Yeah, it's in the realm of possibility, but is it likely to happen again? The history and the numbers tell us probably not. Um, one specific example I want to point out to our listeners here is is 2013. If you all remember, Peyton Manning was a f- amazing. I mean, 55 touchdowns, scored 410 fantasy points. What did he do the next season? Came out 312 fantasy points, finished as the quarterback four. So uh, Patrick Mahomes, to me, he's a lock for a top five season. But when you look at what you have to pass on in terms of the draft board in round three to get him, it's just not worth the price. History tells us he won't repeat as the quarterback one. Um, It's just, it's a situation that was too perfect last year. It won't happen again this year. Elliot, well, first of all, I I will say just briefly, I'm not even sure that Patrick Mahomes is my QB1. Right now, Aaron Rodgers is, and I switch about every 12 hours in my rankings. But I do love him. No one cannot. And I think everyone would love to have him on their team. So, Elliot, the question, I guess, for you is, where are you comfortable grabbing him if he were to fall to X spot in the draft? Uh, Yeah. I like. I'm with you guys. I really like Patrick Mahomes. All the regression stuff is completely accurate. You know, I think he gets a boost that Tyreek Hill is going to play this year. Back to my QB one, it was Deshaun Watson. Um, it, it, like you guys said, it's not worth passing on all these guys in those rounds. The quarterback position is by far the deepest in fantasy, especially in one QB leagues. I and mean, we're talking about Lamar Jackson was the QB 18 off the board like two weeks ago, and no quarterback who's ever had more than 700 rushing yards is not finished as a top five quarterback. I mean, it's just such <laughs> it's such a deep position that you know my limited exposure to Patrick Mahomes tends to be in like four man drafts, but in like a 10 or 12, uh, fifth round is the absolute earliest I'd even consider him. Yeah, and I think it's probably fair to say that you're not going to see that very often. So it's an unfortunate situation, but at least the three of us, and I think, I hope, most of you listeners who are paying attention aren't going to get much of them either. All right, I will throw out one of my, or my second guy, and it's going to be Kenny Galladay. So Galladay, you would, I don't know how much hype there was after last season because he was good. He, he performed well when he was out there. Um, and he was kind of a hyped rookie, but it seemed like there wasn't too much post the season hype about him, but apparently there was because he's going as the wide receiver 18 at the back end of the fourth round right now. Uh, that is way too high for me. I am not interested at that price. And there's a couple reasons. One is this offense. Uh, we've talked a little bit, especially when we hit the, uh, NFC North that we expect this offense to be run first. Daryl Bevel coming in, they are going to want to run the ball. They are not going to want to air it out like we have expected from Matthew Stafford and the Lions over the past uh, pretty much all of his career, uh, Stafford's career. Beyond that, Marvin Jones is coming back, and this is a largely forgotten thing. We've touched on this even a couple times in a, hey, how come we're not talking about Marvin Jones kind of way? And when we do talk about Marvin Jones, it's to say... This guy has a chance to be at least a 1B with Galladay, if not even the, the team's leading wide receiver, because he has been that. Golden Tate is gone, uh, and with Golden Tate gone, Marvin Jones has been the guy, um, unless he's injured, which he was last year. So I'm not convinced that Galladay is even the clear number one, but even if he is, 
I'm I don't see a lot of upside in this offense from a passing perspective and a available targets perspective. And I'm not buying at that price when you can get guys like uh let's see. Chris Godwin in that range I might even like more. Cooper Cup is beep is wait is a few spots past Galladay. I would love to get Cup over him. Lockett I would get over him. Tyler Boyd. Those are all guys I'd rather have over Galladay. Elliot, I'll throw it to you. Uh, do you buy this kind of argument? Are you a little higher on Galladay? Where do you fall? No, I mean, honestly, you guys have taken the arguments right out of my mouth. <laughs> you know, Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay are going to have very similar roles in this offense, and Marvin Jones comes four to five rounds cheaper. I just I don't understand why you would take Galladay at this point when you can get Marvin Jones. And, you know, Jones is due for a lot of positive regression on those down-the-field plays as well this season. And like you mentioned, the guys that are going around him are, are all much better values than him. So it, it leads me to have very little Kenny Galladay this year. Uh, Bets, any disagreement there? No, no disagreements for me. I have him right now. I'm pulling up our rankings on redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. Uh, you've got him at 24. I've got him at 26. So I'm with you. I just think it's a back-and-forth situation, like Elliot said, where Marvin Jones could provide an equal amount of production at a very, very cheap cost. So... I'm not a big Galladay guy. I, I th- he's fine. I just won't have him at his ADP. All right. Well, that is all our guys. And now it's time to make do or make good on these voids because we are going to do a best ball draft. And some of these names will come up. And I'm sure that some of us will have to draft some of them because we went with some high, uh, high names on the list. So before we get into that, Elliot, give us... Uh, Maybe your your just overall high level best ball strategy or a couple of your favorite tips. You've done a lot of these, obviously. What are you thinking when you're going into these best ball drafts? Yeah, so one thing I'll say is that I don't I hate the idea that you have to have one singular strategy. I'm a zero wide receiver guy, I'm a zero RB guy, I'm a only late quarterback guy, I'm a never take a tight end high guy. Whatever whatever your strategy is, I think it's really important to one, adjust to where you pick in the draft. Right, if you have a top four pick, you should be taking one of those top four backs this year. Two, really under, understand and to be able to take advantage of how the draft falls and plays out to you. You know, you might want to go uh, zero wide receiver there, but then all of a sudden, you know, Zeke's there at one twelve. Do you want to take that risk? You know, you, you I, I really like going in with an open mind and being able to adjust to things that are happening. I think it allows me to have good exposure levels over the course of. Um, you know, a lot of drafts because I don't want to completely fade guys I don't like because I, I get things wrong. Everyone gets things wrong. So I want to make sure that, I, you know, I'm not just going zero on one player and like 50% on everybody else. It allows me to really balance my portfolio. And the other thing is pay close attention to ADPs, but don't, you know, use them as gospel. If, and if there are a couple guys you really like, you really want to have high exposure to, understand that you might have to reach around and that's okay to do as well. Yeah, I think those are all fantastic tips there. Uh, Elliot, I hope to steal some of those tips because we're going to do a live best ball draft here on the podcast. So uh, we're going to do that on draft, uh, of course, playdraft.com or the draft app, which is what we use. Um, We love that app. And honestly, uh, our listeners should too. I mean, you can come join us. You can draft with us today. Download the app anytime. Just search draft, again, D-R-A-F-T, draft, in your app store. You can join a game within minutes, play from your computer or uh, on your phone. Head to playdraft.com slash redshirts. 
And for a limited time only, all new players will get a free $3 entry into a draft when you make your first deposit and use our promo code REDSHIRTS. Uh, so you get to play for real money using free money, which I'm not a big business guy, but I think sounds like a pretty sweet deal. Okada, would you agree? I think that's pretty legit. And I you know, I don't know how you guys listeners, you listeners feel about uh, you know hearing, hearing these sponsorship reads and things like that. I know that it can get a little bit, you know, Hey, we want to hear about fantasy football. Listen, we pick sponsors we believe in and legitimately enjoy ourselves. And this is what this might be the best fantasy app on the market. I'm becoming more and more of a fan of Sleeper for just full blown redraft leagues and dynasty leagues. That one's great too. But for best ball, there is no competition. Draft is awesome. So we legitimately believe in this app. We really love playing on it, and you guys should too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I, I echo it's draft is the. Uh... It's the best fantasy app, but it's not remotely close. It's such a genius idea. It's so great that you can mix sharps and beginner players, and you can play for all different levels. So we're going to go ahead and start the draft right now. Uh, it is myself, Okada, and Elliot. We're doing a three-man best ball draft. And the way these work is you draft your lineup. You don't have to pick which players start. It automatically plays the best lineup for you based off the scoring each week. The roster construction is that it's one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, and a tight end, um, and it's a half PPR format, 18 roster spots, so we should fly through this in no time. Fellas, let's just give a very brief analysis as to who we're playing. Uh, the nice thing about these three-man drafts is that your team is absolutely loaded at the end, <laughs> so uh, our teams are going to be stacked. It's going to be a lot of fun when we get to the end. Uh, the draft order is as follows, myself, Okada, then Elliot, and I'm officially on the clock, uh, 101. There's not really much of a question for me at this point. I'm taking Saquon Barkley. Uh, on to you, Mr. Matokata. All right. Well, Zeke has been my 101 all year, but I am getting more and more nervous. So as of right now, I'm going to go ahead and take the slightly safer option, which is my number two in Alvin Kamara. Uh, this is a dream come true for me. I get Christian McCaffrey, and I come back with uh, Travis Kelsey because I really like trying to you know, have an advantage. It's tough to get a roster spot advantage. <laughs> And a three-man, like you said, people always post their screenshots of how great their three-man team is, and it's it's hard to draft <laughs> a bad one. Uh, but I think Travis Kelsey is the one guy that's in his own tier this year, so I like to get him in um, shorter league. I 100% agree, so this makes me sad that I can't get him. But I will go ahead and take David Johnson because I also feel a little bit better about him than Zeke right now. Until the Zeke stuff pans out, I just don't know. If he misses a few weeks, it's going to not be worth it. Yeah, and... I'm going to go ahead and actually take Zeke here. And, and like you guys are saying, the risk is there. But let's be honest, it's a, a three-man draft. You can absorb a lot of risk in these because of the fact that you have so many studs that, honestly, if he doesn't show and he doesn't play, uh, my team is still going to be okay. So I'll go ahead and pair Ezekiel Elliott there with Saquon Barkley and hope, please, Zeke, sign a contract soon uh, with the team and or please just show up. I'm going to follow that with my wide receiver one this season, Devontae Adams, who is going to be a touchdown machine, and that is now over to Okada. All right, this is interesting because I'm very tempted to take my wide receiver one, but chances are that you guys will not take him before I come back around. Of course, Betts knows who it is, so maybe he will just to be mean. No, I can't uh, because you go again before Oh, me. true, true. I'm in the middle. So I will take Julio Jones then, who's technically my number two, and see if Elliott steals my number one. So I, I took he Odell Beckham and DeAndre Hopkins. So it wasn't, it wasn't, I was guessing it was going to be Odell based the way you were talking. No, that, that was a good guess because Hopkins would be a little bit more obvious, but 
My number one is Juju Smith-Schuster, and I am going to grab him here because I love this start with Julio and Juju and two elite running backs. Yeah, I was hoping he would potentially maybe come back to me, but after our discussion on the AFC North preview show, uh, I knew that was absolutely not happening. But I'll settle for the consolation prize here in Tyreek Hill, who obviously is playing with uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the game, a big deep threat, so I'll take him there. Um, And I'm going to go ahead and take another running back here with my trio. I'm going to go ahead and actually take Todd Gurley. Again, it's a three-man draft. You can absorb a little bit more risk. There's going to be weeks where Gurley is Gurley and does Gurley things, so for me, I'm fine taking him there uh, with a little bit of a risk baked in. All right, there is a running back that I would normally take here, but I also think he'll come back to me uh, after Elliott's two picks. So instead, I'm going to go ahead and take... I'm going to take Dalvin Cook and see what Elliott does. I'm taking George Kittle because <laughs> I think I now completely dominate you guys at the tight end position. <laughs> I love Okada's reaction to, to the picks. <laughs> and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab Michael Thomas as well. Um, so I think I have three top seven wide receivers, the two top overall tight ends, and a guy who could finish as RB1. Now, everyone's team's loaded, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is very upsetting. I didn't pick Kittle because I figured Elliot would not since he already had one. And clearly he knew that was the case and screwed me over instead. Uh, well, then what I'm going to do is go ahead and take Zach Ertz here because I do not want to be the one guy who doesn't have one of the Elite Three. And I am now officially in punt category for tight end because <laughs> at this point, there's no one that's going to level up to those three, which is fine. I'll go ahead and take uh, a sneaky candidate here for a wide receiver, the wide receiver one season. It, it could be Mike Evans. Um, love that there to pair with my other two receivers. And I'm going to also go ahead and take uh, a running back that we just talked about. Maybe Elliott doesn't necessarily agree, but I'm on James Conner this year. Uh, so I'll take him there as my RB4. Ah, that would have been the guy. Those literally would have been the two guys that I was going to take here, Bets. I am very upset. Evans and Connor were my next guys. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> um, well, we're in a little bit of a, a wide receiver clump where they all sort of feel the same to me, and there's very few picks between mine and everyone else's, so I'm going to go ahead and grab a running back here, another one, which gives me four, and it's going to be Nick Chubb. So I'm going to take Damian Williams because I think this is the kind of league where – um, like you said, you can take bigger risks, and if he hits, he's going to absolutely boom. Um, and then I'm going to come back, and you know what? Uh, you know, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to take Joe Mixon. Um, I'm kind of Were you going to take way. your guy, Le'Veon Bell, for the Jets? I was almost <laughs> like, you know what? Let me finally get some exposure to him. But <laughs> um, Oh, boy. There are a lot of good receivers here. I'm going to go ahead and take my number – I'm going to go ahead and take my number 10 wide receiver, and it's T.Y. Hilton. Uh, he's my highest, uh, he's my second highest remaining guy on the board, but I think I can potentially get the other one. And I think T.Y. Hilton gets a little bit of a boost in best ball because he's going to have those nice big fat weeks, and the ones that he doesn't do quite as much, he'll just not start, and one of my other elite guys will slide in. Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty fair there. Um, I'm going to do something that I just told you all not to do, and that's draft <laughs> Patrick Mahomes early. But in a best ball format, being able to pair him with – Tyreek Hill um, could pay dividends if we see glimpses of last season. Again, it's it's a one QB league, but in the, in the eighth round, my eighth pick, totally okay with that uh, draft price there. I'm going to go ahead and take another receiver here. I'm going to pair up um, Adam Thielen with my roster, which I think balances well. He's got the upside, but he's also a, a weekly lock for uh, you know a very solid season and a very solid week. So I'll pair him there, and I'll take Adam Thielen off the board. 
All right, well, the guy, the, the one receiver I have ranked above Hilton is still there. I am tempted to take a quarterback so that I can get one of my elite two, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go ahead and take Edelman and see what Elliot does here on the turn. Uh, Edelman's a guy I really like this year. Um, I was really hoping to get Mahomes, actually. I was thinking the same thing because I have Damian Williams and Travis Kelsey. Um, I'm going to come back. I'm going to take on Johnson. Um, and... I'll take Amari Cooper. Ooh. Cooper is another one who kind of gets a little bump in best ball because the one the one knock that he's had is inconsistency, but when he booms, he booms. Well, in a three-man oh. league, that makes him even better, right? Because your boom weeks have to be real boom weeks because these are all the superstars in the NFL. Absolutely. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and take that quarterback now. For me, he's my number one, and he's in an elite tier with Mahomes, so I want to get one of those two for me, and that's Aaron Rodgers. Cannot argue with that pick whatsoever. Um, this is a kind of a part of the draft where I'm like, I'm okay with a bunch of these guys, but there's no one that I really am super thrilled about. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and take, I'm gonna take the risk here. We just talked about him again tonight, but again, it's it's a best ball draft, and there's gonna be time oh. where I don't really need a B to be a B until later in the season because of the stacked rosters that we have. So I'll take Antonio Brown here in the tenth round, and then I'm gonna follow that up with my first tight end actually off the board um one guy that i've been rising on a lot recently is oj howard so i'll take him here uh in the 10th or the 11th round excuse me um this puts me in an interesting spot i'm just gonna be very honest and forthright with everyone that i'm very interested in looking at melvin gordon here because if i got him here and he turned out to play the whole season it would be insane value however i'm feeling more and more like he might not that he might miss a lot of time so I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and do something interesting and take Evan Ingram who for me I've mentioned previously is in the tier with the the back of the tier with Ertz and Kelsey and I'm okay having now two elite tight ends and always getting uh, odds are always getting an elite performance between those two. And I come back with Keenan Allen and Stefan Diggs because I think that those are the last two receivers uh, in the in a tier and I wanted to make sure I got them before we kind of get to this next group of receivers. I would agree with you there. I was hoping to get one of them on the way back, so I will not, and that is sad. But instead, what I will do is go ahead and grab me some Tyler Boyd, who's right now my, my wide receiver 14. Yes, that is high. But as long as AJ Green is out, he is going to be producing, and I'm going to go ahead and grab him. Yes, I am going to follow that up and take at least a piece of the puzzle here in the wide receiver core for the LA Rams. I want a piece of that offense. So I'm going to take Brandon cooks here. So I think in a best ball format um, has those boom weeks. So I'll go ahead and take him here as my wide receiver six, which sounds absolutely silly to even say. Um, (laughs) And then I'm going to take a guy that I don't normally draft, but honestly in this type of format, again, you can take risk. Give me Derek Henry, who for whatever reason, three weeks of the year puts up, 200 yards and three touchdowns so hopefully that happens at least once or twice this year and I can put him in my lineup all righty uh I'm pretty balanced at running back and wide receiver right now so I'm gonna go towards wide receiver because you can start more of them and it's tough for me between two guys but I'm gonna go ahead and take Cooper Cup and get me a part of this Rams offense as well I'm gonna lock up my uh two quarterbacks here and I'm going to take Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield. And these guys are very attractive to me because I have DeAndre Hopkins and Odell Beckham. So now I have a double stack with both of my quarterbacks and their top weapons. Very, very solid. Um, This is interesting. I'm tempted to do something that I might do. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to take Robert Woods and have Woods and Cup. 
I don't think there's a chance that I don't get a wide receiver one performance weekly out of one of those two guys, at least. Yeah, fair enough. Can't argue with him there. Uh, I'll go ahead and take uh, my second tight end here. I'm going to take Hunter Henry. Hope he has a bounce back season there uh, in the 14th round. And then I'm going to go ahead and just shore up a guy that, again, you can take risk here. Uh, A guy that I'm high on this season and I hope pans out. Uh, That is Mark Andrews to round out my tight end core there uh, in the 15th round. That is very impressive. Uh, Wow. I have him as my tight end eight, but what is this now? Tight end six? That's very impressive. Got to go for the upside, man. Uh, All right. I'm going to go ahead and grab me Aaron Jones, who is pretty much my highest ranked remaining running back as long as I continue to avoid avoid Melvin Gordon. I'm going to take Le'Veon Bell because it's the 15th round. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. And I'm going to take Chris Godwin because I'm very high on him this year. Um... Hmm, this is a little difficult. I think I'm going to go ahead and go running back. There's a few other positions that I'd be interested in getting one more guy at. But I'm going to go ahead and go with... You know what? I'm going to go with Devontae Freeman. I I absolutely believe in Devontae Freeman this year as the lead guy for the Falcons in a great offense. So I'll be happy with him. Can't argue with you there too much. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take, which this sounds absolutely silly to even say... Uh, Andrew Luck in the 16th round to pair off with Patrick Mahomes. Um, Very confident in my quarterback situation, obviously, in this format. Uh, I'll go ahead and take another running back here. Um, Shooting for upside, for sure, with this pick. I'm going to go ahead and actually take uh, the rookie here, Josh Jacobs. Hope that he pans out uh, and actually does a lot this season as far as his production being in a three-down role. Well... Betts did exactly what I hoped he would do. Finally, I got some some luck bend my way. Literally, in the fact that he took Andrew Luck, which gives me a good excuse to take the guy that I have right behind oh, Andrew gosh. Luck, and therefore couldn't have taken ahead of Andrew Luck, and it's Kyler Murray. You No one is surprised. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> I really like Kyler Murray this year. Um, I'm going to take the risk on Melvin Gordon here as my RB6, shooting for upside. And then the last pick of the draft, I'm going to go, man, this is tough. You know what? I'm just going to go for the upside. I'm going to take Christian Kirk. Mm. Ooh, spicy. I like it. I also like that we've actually reached a point where decisions are difficult. <laughs> We're no longer in the elite players every round. Uh, uh, okay, I've got six running backs. I feel like, I feel like that's enough in this particular format with three players. So I'm going to go ahead and grab a guy that I think every time he scores a touchdown could slide into my lineup, and I believe that will happen often, and that's Mike Williams to round out my receiving core and my team. Yes, and with my last pick of the draft, I'm going to take the same strategy as Okada. I'm going to pass on running back. I've got six. I'm set at quarterback. I'm set at tight end. So for me, upside wide receiver, I don't think he does at all what he did last season, but there's going to be weeks where Tyler Lockett catches a bomb from Russell Wilson. So I'll take him here as my last pick of the draft and for that uh that pick there fellas that finishes it off we are done with our live best ball draft i'm sweating that was so fast (laughs) (laughs) uh this now this is the best part because now we get to read off our teams and just revel in the joy of these lineups elliot as our guest go ahead you lead us off here go ahead and read off your uh your 18 man roster uh, Deshaun Watson, Christian McCaffrey, Damian Williams, Odell Beckham, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Joe Mixon, Carrion Johnson, Amari Cooper, 
Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs, Baker Mayfield, Le'Veon Bell, Chris Godwin, Melvin Gordon, and Christian Kirk. Wow. You you like to hear that. <laughs> uh, unless you're playing against Elliot. But I also love my team. So uh, let me break it down for you. At QB, I'll, I'll go by position here. At QB, Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray. Absolute love love both those guys. At running back, Kamara, David Johnson, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Devontae Freeman, and Aaron Jones, who are pretty much all RB1s for me. At wide receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster, Julio Jones, T.Y. Hilton, Julian Edelman, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Mike Williams. I really like that balance of floor and ceiling. And then at tight end, Zach Ertz and Evan Ingram. My tight ends three and four, not in that order. Betts, what do you got? Well, I just have an all-star team, honestly. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes and Andrew Luck at quarterback, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, James Conner, Todd Gurley, Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs at my running back, wide receiver, Adam Thielen, Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, Devontae Adams, Antonio Brown, Mr. Frostbite himself, Brandon <laughs> Cooks, Tyler Lockett, and then at tight end, I've got OJ Howard, Hunter Henry, and Mark Andrews. Uh, this is the Pro Bowl of fantasy football. <laughs> it's very solid. I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, fantasy po- football has become a very serious, very serious thing throughout uh, the industry, and sometimes it's fun to just pick a couple friends and do an absolutely absurd draft where you get the teams that we just read off and see who ends up having the best of three all-star teams. So I really recommend doing this. It's it's super fun, and I'm glad we we got to pick these uh these crazy rosters. Yeah, for sure, Elliot. We're now uh, connected on on best ball here on the, the draft app, so you'll get a lot of requests from me to kill time before <laughs> the drafts uh, are over for best ball, but uh, time is running out. You know, Like I said, head over to, to playdraft.com slash redshirts, uh, use our code, get a free entry, get in there, play some best ball. It is a ton of fun. Uh, and with that being said, fellas, let's go ahead and close out this show. We'll put a bow on it. Elliot, one more time for our listeners. Uh, again, we thank you so much for coming on and, and taking some time out of your busy day to join us, but tell everyone where they can find you. Give us your social media accounts. Uh, give us you know all that information right now. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Elliot Christ, 1L, 1T, no H and Christ. All my work will be found on thequanedge.com this year. Again, you can head on over there and sign up for a free account and check out everything that we have to offer. Um, and I just want to say thank you guys. It's a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys both giving me a dollar to come on the podcast after beating me in this <laughs> league. And, you know, it's a good time. Oh, shots fired. Shots fired from Elliot. Love it. Uh, Okada, hit us with your t- your handle as well. Yeah, find me on Twitter at Matt Okada. And if you're in the LA area, find me in the NFL Network studios. Absolutely. I am at the Fantasy PT. Uh, this is our last, I think, announcement, Okada. Would you agree? Uh, for our listener league. So mm. time is, is running out. We've got a draft and we've got some awesome uh, entries so far. All you have to do to be entered in, into this is head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash redshirtspod or on your app stop what you're doing leave a rating interview screenshot and tag us on twitter to be entered into the drawing um i think after this this episode is released okada we'll give it a day or two and then i think we'll have to go ahead and pick our names randomly and you'll be able to play against us for a ring from trophysmack.com which is legit let me tell you what it came in the mail today to my house it is so sweet uh so so come on over play with us it's gonna be a blast um and until next time we are the red shirts Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.